Welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I'm Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we investigate and discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Today, it is that time of the week. It is that time of our recording schedule where we say it is Friday, even though it is Sunday. It is a Christians (laughs) of History episode, and Jens is going to introduce us to the life of a Christian from history named Maria Stewart. Yep. I swear, it, <laughs> Lucas said before we started recording that he keeps thinking that this says Martha Stewart. So if I say Martha in this recording, you can blame Lucas. I apologize. Uh, we are not talking about Martha Stewart. We are talking about Maria Stewart. Uh, she was an abolitionist, a woman's right advocate. Um, she was also one of the first women of any race to, to speak in public uh, to a mixed audience in the United States. Uh, she was also the first black woman Uh, the Black American woman, to write and publish a political manifesto. Um, Her her many calls for Black people to resist slavery, oppression, um, and exploitation were really radical uh, for for the time period. And her thinking, her speaking, her life even influenced the likes of Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth, if you recognize those names. Uh, But uh, Maria was born free Uh, She was Maria Miller in 1803 in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Really, all that we know about her parents is their surname, um, Miller. We don't know much about who they were, what they did. Um, They were likely slaves. Um, But at the age of five, uh, she lost both of her parents and was forced to become a servant in the household of a white clergyman. Um, So not a slave, more like um, uh, like an indentured servant uh, to basically a, a pastor. So she actually lived with this family for 10 years. And although they gave her no formal education, uh, Maria did learn as much as possible by sneaking into the family library and and reading as many books as she could. So after leaving the family at the age of 15, she supported herself as a domestic servant while furthering her education um, at Sabbath schools. Um, I I don't know much about Sabbath schools. When I looked them up, I was seeing a bunch of stuff about like um, Seventh-day Adventist type sabbath schools i don't know if there's any relation uh, but apparently there were schools that met i'm guessing on the sabbath that that trained people whether it was in you know math and literature and stuff like that Uh, but as a young woman she moved from connecticut to boston massachusetts i can't do a boston accent i'm sure lucas can because he's from you know that area but uh, on august 10th 1826 maria miller married james w stewart who was a 44 year old veteran of the war of 1812 So after the war, uh, James uh, had earned a substantial living by fitting out whaling and fishing vessels. Uh, And and at the time, I guess, African-Americans made up about only 3% of Boston's population. Um, But the Stuarts were part of an even smaller minority because he was a part of Boston's Black middle class, um, where most African-Americans, most Blacks were, you know, at the the bottom rung of society. Um, There was this very tiny minority that was uh, a middle class. Uh, But in December of 1829, James Stewart tragically passed away um, and their marriage had produced no children. But although (laughs) Maria Stewart was left with a substantial inheritance, she was actually defrauded of it. 
um, by a couple of white executors of her husband's will after a long court battle. Um, so it, it's, it's really sad. Like it seems like one hit after another for this woman as she's really just trying to live. And, you know, similar, similar to our episode on Tuesday, where we talked about Basil and we talked about the rich and how the rich will continue to get rich and the poor will continue to get poor. Um, this idea that like this, this woman came into this, you know, middle class, she, she was actually, you know, doing it honestly, do, working hard. Um, and some white men take advantage of the fact that she's uh, a black woman and they defraud her of what should have been her um, sizable, substantial inheritance. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, a, so one of those sad facts of history. Um, but it, it, this is something that she didn't, it didn't tear her down. She didn't let it get the better of her. Um, and actually, it was during this time that her, her faith in Christ really began to blossom. I mean, she grew up in the home of a clergyman. Uh, but here is where her faith grew tremendously. And so her, her deepening religious faith um, and like the racism, segregation, all those things that she was experiencing in Boston, they actually pressed her to speak her mind publicly. So instead of retreating off into like a woe is me type of you know mindset, she's like, I'm going to, this is like fuel for the fire. Um, and, and Stuart used biblical language and imagery to condemn slavery, to condemn white you know, supremacy and racism. Um, she actually argued that it was God's will for black people to struggle against oppression and even using force if necessary, which is an interesting caveat. Um, I know some people haven't liked to use force, but she was not opposed to it if necessary. Um, she exhorted black audiences and especially women to pursue education and also to, to, uh, to demand political rights um, and not to forget who oppressed them. She actually is uh, quoted as saying, um, sue for your rights and privileges. And she said this in a, a 1831 address, uh, going on to say, know the reason that you cannot attain them. Uh, basically, she reminded white readers that, uh, quote, our souls are fired with the same love of liberty and independence with which your souls are fired. We are not afraid of them that kill the body and after that can do no more. Um, so a lot of a lot of her her rallying cries, you know, to, to encourage uh, fellow Africans, uh, fellow African Americans to do what they can to, to get educated to, um, to pursue their rights and their privileges, because it's not like those things are only for for white people, they're for all people who live in this country. Um, interestingly, one of her, one of her speeches she delivered in September of 1832 at Franklin Hall, uh, it's one of the first recorded instances of any American woman of any race actually speaking in public uh, uh, to a mixed audience. It was actually pretty extremely rare for women to give a public address in that period. Um, so many people really considered it improper or even immoral to do so, which just kind of blows my mind that we lived in that there was once a time period where it was perceived to be improper or even immoral for a woman to speak to a, a mixed audience. Um, but by, by daring to do so, uh, Stewart embodied the quality she called for, I mean, in her speeches, she was actually living out, she was practicing what she was preaching. Um, and really, she staked a claim for black women as leaders uh, of a, a resistance to oppression that she believed God was calling them to. Um, and, and a little bit later in her life, after, after her husband passed away, she moved to New York City, where she remained an activist. Um, she attended, you know, conventions, anti-slavery rallies, uh, but she actually never spoke again in public. Uh, she, she found 
herself working. Uh, she was teaching in public schools, both in Manhattan and Brooklyn. And she actually became an assistant principal at a, a school in Brooklyn uh, near the 1840s, mid, mid, mid to late 1840s. Uh, but apparently after losing that position in New York, she moved to Baltimore in the early 1850s, uh, where she taught privately, giving private lessons and tutoring. Um, and then in 1861, she moved to Washington, D.C., where she taught school again during the Civil War. Uh, so again, to give context to like what's happening in our country around this time, um, our, our country was literally divided. We had you know North and the South and the battle of the, the Civil War. Um, and so to, to consider some of what she's saying in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, that would have been pretty, pretty radical, pretty, um, I mean, instrumental in a lot of ways. But uh, around 1870, Stewart was appointed uh, the head of housekeeping at the Freedmen's Hospital and Asylum in Washington, D.C., which is actually where she, she passed away. Um, so really, I mean, a really fascinating, a really interesting life. Uh, we didn't mention at the beginning, we, obviously we're back in a, a Christians of History episode. We're taking a break from Creeds and Confessions and from Theology 101 to sort of uh, dive back into the lives of, of Christians from history. Uh, what I really like here about Maria Stewart is, um, I mean, just the fact that she is so common, like she's not like your, your Augustines and your Aquinas's and like these giant figures in theology. We're talking about a, a lay person who was inspired to action based on the things that were going on around her. Uh, you know, witnessing slavery, witnessing atrocities, witnessing injustice, being defrauded um, out of the, you know, the wealth that should have been hers, uh, you know, things that still happen today, maybe not to the same degree or the same extent, uh, you know, I, we don't have this same sort of slavery. Um, I would argue that we do still have slavery in our country and in our world. But um, like, how, how can we as Christians, as lay people, work to combat those things, especially those of us who uh, maybe society sees as like people that don't have a voice. Again, we're talking about a, a Black woman who used her experience, her education, and her gifts to help people, to aid people, to help people earn their freedom, uh, to teach. I mean, who knows how many people she taught when she was a teacher and a, and a tutor and an educator. Uh, but really inspiring, I think, to to learn about these women, to learn about these Christians of history, um, and the even small impacts that they make. But I mean, when you consider the likes of like Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth as like, quote unquote, heirs to what Maria Stewart did, like that's a pretty significant legacy. So that is Maria Stewart. Thank you for sharing as always. Um... I'm not even going to bother talking about digging into people that we I've never heard of before because I feel like I say that every time you do a Christians of History. So I'll just say thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you um, want to connect with us, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast, as well as available by email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, future episode ideas, Christians of History suggestions, questions about anything that we've talked about, um, questions about us, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we have uh, links to buy t-shirts in our, in our social media bios, if you want to go above and beyond. And um, yeah, I mean, once again, thank you. We appreciate all of you um, tuning in. We really appreciate your support. 
and we would love to connect and we look forward to continuing to bring you more Christians of history as well as everything else that we uh, do and hopefully you continue to enjoy because I know we do so thank you thank you thank you and we'll see you next time peace